Our next two casts are part of a three-part series taking a look at the life of a superintendent. Remember, we already met with Dr. Ty Weeks to take a look at what it looks like to be a new soup. On this week's cast, we're chatting with Andrea Oquist from Livonia Public Schools on what it's like to be a standing superintendent. So I'd like to welcome Andrea Oquist, the superintendent for Livonia Public Schools, to chat with us today. I was fortunate enough to meet Andrea um, early in our careers when we served as elementary principals together. So you all are in for quite the treat. So welcome, Andrea, and um, I'd like our listeners to get to know you a little bit better and to meet you. So if you'll share a bit about your background, anything personal you want to share, as well as your educational journey. You bet. Well, it's great to be here with you, Melissa. Uh, You know you're a treasured friend and colleague of mine, and I do have great memories of our time together as elementary principals and young moms um, doing this wonderful world of education together. So, um, well, I am am so lucky to have a great team here uh, in Livonia Public Schools and also the best at home, so I'll start with that. Uh, My husband, Jeff, and I Uh, make our home in Livonia. We have um, throughout our lives and just celebrated our 30th anniversary. Um, Our two (laughs) kiddos uh, who are now grown adults are both LPS grads. And uh, that really uh, helps to be a great driving force for me really each day. I think about the experiences that they had here in the district and, you know, the opportunities and challenges and uh, just all of those different pieces, I try to keep the two of them at the forefront uh, when I'm making decisions about all our kids here in Livonia. So that connection is, is pretty special uh, to me. Um, I have spent pretty much my life in Livonia Public Schools. Um, I began as a kindergarten student and I am still here. Uh, took a respite, of course, to go to college. But uh, my first uh, job in LPS, believe it or not, was when I was 17. I just graduated from Stevenson High School, and I joined the summer maintenance and grounds crew. So um, I had an opportunity to do that and paint lockers and pull up sod and wash desks. And um, that was a that was a really interesting experience for a newly graduated senior in high school. And um, but really began to show me how many different facets there are within this uh, awesome place we call Livonia Schools. And uh, after college, I came back as a student teacher and a classroom teacher and um, was hired as a principal at age 26. And uh, sometimes I still scratch my head about that. But boy, um, that role of principal, which I had the privilege of keeping for 16 years, was truly some of my very best memories. That that is such a privilege to serve in that role. Um, I came over to central office um, at the request of the superintendent um, about 12 years ago and served in a couple of different roles here and then was asked to be interim superintendent when my wonderful mentor, Dr. Randy Liapa, left uh, to become superintendent at Wayne County RESA. And in 2015, I was appointed uh, superintendent. So it's my 32nd year here and um, I love this district uh, and wouldn't want to be anywhere else. So I can just share. Um, I think my husband may have been called into your office one time when you were principal. <laughs> we won't tell the backstory, but it was not something so awful, but I think he was a kindergartner. So, yes. So we appreciated you at that time for our son. I love it. <laughs> yes, yes. We will leave it there, right? We'll just leave it right there. But 
we are so uh, grateful to have you here. And again, you were a great mentor to me. And Randy Lipa, I have to say, for both of us, was a great mentor as well. So I want to kind of go forward um, a little bit into your role. And, and why did you choose the role of superintendent? What, what made you go to that part? Sure. Gosh, uh, I think it's a combination of choosing the role and the role choosing me. Um, it, uh, what a what a privilege it is to um, to lead in this district that uh, that I really do call home. But it it really it really came as a result of I think two big influences. Um, I was really blessed to have a ton of support from from my family to do this, and I have um, had parents who have been um, pretty important. Uh, influencers in my life um, as a as a human being and, and eventually as a leader. And then also, um, I, I really had that opportunity when I was interim for a few months while their board was doing a search after Randy left. Um, and I had a chance to not only serve in this role for a little while, one I had really never aspired to, um, but began to understand um, the importance of uh, people we elevate in positions of leadership and the impact that can have on an organization. And so over that time, our our board and um, and colleagues within the district um, encouraged me to stay in this in this role permanently. And I really fell in love with uh, with this role and um, was was very fortunate to be appointed in uh, in December of that year. And really, since that time, have gained such an appreciation for how much really goes on in a district like ours um, from pre-K to post-secondary. I, I thought I had been pretty involved up until that point, but I'll tell you, until you have the privilege of serving in this role, um, you really don't have the the opportunity to see the tremendous work that's being done in, in every nook and cranny across the district. I so agree with both of our paths kind of leading to that, that same direction. You know, we both had children go through our, our district's um, and you think you think you understand all that's going on in the different different pieces, what the teachers are doing, what the bus drivers are doing, what you know the again, what you talked about, even being a maintenance person and and all those pieces. And but until you really go through that 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 role, uh, or if you haven't gone through that role, or you're kind of looking at all those different levels, um, it's it's very different being in, in in the chair of the superintendent to see all those. Um, aspects of that that role. So you are quite the educational influencer. So can you share a little bit about your experience in that role and how you've kind of uh, led your district? And actually, to be quite honest, you are a leader in the Tri-County. Um, how, you've, how you've done some of that work? Well, thanks, Melissa. And I, as you know, that, uh, that certainly does not happen in a singular uh, vacuum or with one person. But uh, Thankfully, I think we've we've really uh, harnessed a lot of um, a lot of great minds and great hearts together to do this work. And one of the things I um, think about when I think about influencing our organization or our leadership team is really focusing on the culture aspect, the climate and culture aspect that has been pretty core um, since my time as a teacher, as a principal, um, and certainly now. And really wrapping your arms around doing that in an organization this size. We have 2,000 staff and um, over 14,000 kids and their families. And I think about what experiences um, each of those people have every day. And so 
you, you kind of have to take that broad view and start to, to break that down. And one of the things I think that's important that we do as leaders um, is not just look within the educational community, but to, to look at organizations outside of us who have been successful. And I'll share a, sto- a short uh, story of um, bringing our team out to, I don't know if you're familiar with Menlo Corporation, they're uh, Menlo Innovations, they're uh, a small software company out in Ann Arbor. And the owner, Richard Sheridan, had written a book called Joy, Inc. And it was t- I talked about building a workplace that people love. And at that time, we were really delving into culture and climate and the importance of having people feel engaged in their work, um, connected to their colleagues, and feeling like they're doing meaningful work. And so we spent the day out at Menlo, and they invite uh, teams in and individuals in to see how kind of their, I think they call it like a radically, um, a radically different, you know, radically, uh, radical corporate culture, something along that line. And one of the things that we took back from there, um, they did something called stand-up meetings every day at the same time. So everyone in their organization came together, stood in a circle. They actually had a Viking helmet. So we have we have decided to forego the Viking helmet. Um, but they had a Viking helmet. Uh, two people stood on either side of the helmet holding the horns. And they gave an update, just a brief, you know, one-minute, two-minute update on what their team was working on and a problem or challenge that they had come across and looked around the circle and said, hey, if I could, if I could grab Pat and Deanna for um, a couple minutes this afternoon, I'd like you to put your heads together with ours and help us solve this. And they did that each day. They just gave a glimpse into what they were working on and what they were doing, how they were looking to solve a problem, what their client was looking for. And we came back and that's one of the things we decided to do. And so I've been in this role about seven years. And so about a year into it, we started doing these daily stand-up meetings. And we do them every day at 11 o'clock, really uh, rain or shine. And we get together to the 10 of us on our cabinet team. And everyone goes around and shares just a quick, you know, quick hitters of what's happening, um, what, what problems need to be solved, what's a hot topic of that day. And one of the reasons we do that is because we have folks out in 26 locations in our organization, and we need to be able to keep communication flowing. We need to be able to have more minds thinking deeply about the tough stuff. And so that opportunity each day for us to connect has done wonders. It has it breaks down silos. It gets people, you know, cross department sharing, and it allows us to get answers back out to our department leaders or school leaders or our union leaders and be able to respond and be nimble um, and also have a really good awareness of what's happening across the district. That was happening but it was happening kind of between superintendent and one or two cabinet members all throughout the day. And it just seemed inefficient. And so that's one of the things we've done that I think has just been a game changer for us. Okay. That is so powerful right now. Like I, I'm taking a pause just to reflect on that. And I think every district should, should do that. Sometimes I, I know as a past superintendent, we would have our once a week cabinet meeting mm-hmm. where we bring the, people together or our, our principal administrative meeting. Thank you for sharing that. That is that is amazingly powerful for people to, to reflect on and, and how they can bring that into their district as well. So absolutely. It's uh it's just a 
It's something where we know we're going to see one another. So we kind of save it up. We, we don't, we're efficient with our time, right? We narrow it in on that. We share with one another. If you don't have something specific that day, we move on. And so we value that time and we're efficient with that time, but we also utilize as much of it as we need to make sure we're getting the folks we serve the answers they need. Right. And I, and I think that, that that's powerful because that's, that's the commitment that you're making as an organization. There's things we can email out. There's things that we can blast out. But in terms of having that connection, that's huge. Mm-hmm. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah. So, you know, as a former superintendent, and I don't want to bring this conversation down because you just lifted it up so much. There, there are things that keep us up at night um, that kept me up at night. And there are things that also gave me joy. And there was way more that gave me joy. Um, so just if you could touch on a little bit about what what's what makes the best part of your day and what are still the challenges that you see. And I know you and I spoke a little bit earlier because you always give me such hope, but also think, things to reflect on but even aspirations for the future. So what are, you, what are you thinking about in terms of those pieces? And I, I did a really wordy question, so I apologize. <laughs> That's okay. I think I got all three parts, but if I didn't, we'll <laughs> loop back around. So I'll, I'll, I'll uh, dip into the first part, what, what keeps me up at night. And gosh, it's a great question. Um, and I think I probably worry most about the unseen or I guess the best way to put it would be the unknown. So um, the unseen impact of the past couple of years on our kiddos, on our staff, um, some of it we see pretty overtly, right? We see that, we address it, we've added mental health supports, we've the lowered class size, we've tried to push support into our schools and for our students and social emotional hotlines for our families. Um, And for people who reach out and take advantage of that or people who can express to us what they're going through, then then those solutions are there. I think I worry about, again, those who are unseen or unknown, um, because we can't underestimate the impact of people having lived in this heightened sense, this kind of crisis response state for literally months on end. And so I, I think we have to listen deeply um, for that. I think we have to be asking the right questions and not have um, two minute or five minute solutions. This needs to be a long-term commitment to helping people emerge whole and taking care of um, taking care of their needs. So I think that's one of our, you know, sometimes we call them our big hairy meatballs. That's really not an official leadership phrase, (laughs) but uh, that's what, uh, that's what we sometimes call it. And I'm, I'm, I'm very blessed with our cabinet team because I think we have people who are, are just pretty amazing thought partners and they're as committed to, to listening for that um, as I am. But I think that's probably the biggest thing. The ones that, that don't overtly show us that they're, they're suffering, who are those people and how can we help them? So then I'm going to touch on aspirations for the future. What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, boy, we have to... We have to reignite this profession and we have to uh, know that in Michigan, not just in public education, but specific to Michigan, we have been the hardest hit with regard to the number of educators going into teacher education programs. It's down 71%. We are the hardest hit state right now. So let's say, Melissa, we turn that around tomorrow 
and we got more kids to go in there. And really, I, I don't know that that is going to happen. But let's say it happened tomorrow. We're still, what, five years out from the impact of that and getting those young folks or new folks, not even young, old, in between, but new folks into the profession. So I think that lays in front of us a big, big challenge that is certainly for us as educational leaders, but it's bigger than that. This is really uh, an essential piece and, and fabric of every community. And so we need to collectively be champions for public education. We need to be champions for the work that educators do, that bus drivers do, that paraprofessionals do, that principals do, and find a way to, again, bring value publicly to this work and really reignite um, just a fire for this profession because it is too important to let it languish. And so um, while we've seen that decline, we've known about it for a few years, it's on the threshold of our district doors right now. So we need to decide that this is one of the most important things we're going to do. And so when I think about being hopeful, I think about how we capture the our community's interest as well as um, those who may be seeking an interest in this profession and, and you know, grabbing them and, and encouraging them and lifting them um, toward this. Oftentimes, you know, we hear people really just uh, speak in such a, negative way about the profession. And is it hard work? Yes. Yes, it is super hard work. Um, it is the best work you will ever do. And so we need to find a way to um, be champions for that every day. So I'm hopeful about that, but I'm also on fire about that to make sure that that is um, at the forefront of our thinking um, as, as educational leaders, but also as communities. Um, I think the other thing is uh, there's, there's just those moments and I think you and I exchanged some communications about that over the past few weeks that, boy, we really feel like we're starting to do some of those things that we normally do and um, that feel good to be back together. And last night I had a chance to um, visit one of our high schools and they had all of our orchestra students together from grades six through 12. And, you know, they were, they were performing individually and then the end they um, performed Pachelbel's Canon together. And I will tell you, watching the parents in the audience, the grandparents, the kiddos themselves, it was such a great moment. And it gave me just a newfound appreciation for those things that show how hard our teachers have worked to get our kids there, how hard our kids have worked to, to be able to perform in that way. And then the appreciation of parents for being able to come to those type of events. So Sometimes I like to think about a silver lining of of the pandemic as as having us have a renewed appreciation for the things maybe we took for granted, right? Being able to catch a hockey game or being able to see a play on on the stage or watch our orchestra students perform. And as I stood there last night, that was just one of my highlights um, that I get to be privileged to do as a superintendent is celebrate those moments with our kids and our families. Gosh, I, in my head, I had so many things running through as you were talking. I First of all, celebrate. Um, you and I both come from a families of educators. Um, yes. your, your daughter's a teacher. Our son and yes. daughter are both teachers. Um, we need these people in education. Um, 
And so much of what you spoke to is how do we rise up and keep, this is the most important work. I think our medical profession and our educators probably, you know, and first line responders, Mm -hmm. obviously, um, are the most important work that is out there in our communities. And how do we support that? And how do we get these, these individuals to go into the, to those career paths? So I know that's some of the work that you and I will continue to do together. Um, but Andrea, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, we know the, the role that you have is such a challenge, but such a rewarding role as well. And I love what you spoke about, about the experience that you had last evening. Um, I can just share personally that the students, staff, and families are so fortunate to have you as their leader. Um, and also the children of Michigan, because you are such an amazing advocate for public education. So we so appreciate you. I don't know if there's any closing comments that you want to have before we end. No, it was it was such a pleasure to spend time with you today. And I think we just share a passion for um, not only this work, but building the capacity of the next, you know, the next generation that will that will lead this forward, whether that's um, our own children or the children we serve. So um, I'm proud to do this work alongside you. And thanks for having me. Okay, we will keep doing this work. And thank you so much. And thank you to our listeners. Have a great day and go forward and do what's best for children. Take care. Thanks so much for learning with us on the Metro Minute. This cast is powered by K-12 Media, always helping schools communicate with their communities. Remember, on our last episode of this three-part series, we're going to take a look at retirement for our school leaders. By the way, we'd love to see your comments and questions on this cast. Be sure to hit the like and subscribe button so you're always notified of our up-and-coming episodes. And don't forget to visit our website at metrobureau.org for everything trending in public education in southeastern Michigan. We're so excited to see you next time for the Metro Minute.